Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner, and I'm on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. Today in the Speakeasy, we have Reverend Bill Roscoe, President and CEO of Boise Rescue Mission. Welcome to the Speakeasy, Reverend Bill. Well, thank you, Mike. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, why can you just start off by sharing, like, um, for people who don't know what the Boise Rescue Mission is, like, what, what it's all about? Sure. Well, the Boise Rescue Mission is celebrating 60 years of service to the community, starting right here in Boise, in fact, not far from this location, down on Capitol and Front, uh, back in 1958. And the idea in those days was to provide uh, meals and a chapel service to the homeless guys of the community, most of whom were jumping off the train that used to run right through downtown Boise. Oh, really? Yeah. And they opened up a soup kitchen, eventually had 16 uh, beds available for those guys to sleep in, and they'd have a uh, bread and soup supper, uh, chapel service, and then put them all to bed for the night with a shower and get them off in the morning. And uh, that's where we started our, our humble beginnings. And today, of course, we have uh, expanded from that that very humble start to uh, providing over 1,000 meals a day every single day, uh, providing about five, 450 to 500 safe nights of shelter. And we have not one but four uh, rescue mission facilities, two in Boise, two in Nampa, where we provide uh, 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week services to homeless, hungry, and needy people from our community. Did you say a thousand meals per day? Yeah, thousand meals per day. In fact, I, I didn't realize that the need was that great. And that's a good point, Mike. A lot of people here in Boise and even in throughout the Treasure Valley don't realize the need is that great. Uh, and I want to make sure everybody understands that a thousand meals a day is not just to people staying with us, but it includes people who are living in the neighborhood, in the community, who come in and have a meal. There's another shelter in town called the Sanctuary, and we partner with Sanctuary on a lot of things. And uh, one of the things that we do with them is uh, provide meals to all of their guests because they don't have a kitchen and dining facility like we do over on River Street. So a uh, thousand meals a day is pretty much the norm. We're on a track right now uh, to serve 362,000 meals this year in, in our four dining rooms. Amazing. That, that is that is amazing. <laughs> and so, um, and, and I, I saw on your website that, um, and, I, and I don't quite understand this, and hopefully you can explain it, is that you kind of have a, a policy of not turning people away. Um, and so... Don't you reach capacity sometimes? And how does that, how does that work? Well, the good news is we have a lot of capacity, okay. honestly. Our uh, uh, Boise Rescue Mission downtown, uh, River of Life Mission downtown Boise is uh, 34,000 square feet, subdivided very nicely to be able to serve people in different ways and, and in different groups. Uh, we have open space in that dining room where we can put mats on the floor and and uh, safely shelter about 100 more people than we have beds for. And we have beds for over 250 people in that building. And our largest population, about about 65% of our population are single homeless men. So th needless to say, that's where we have to have the most beds. 
Uh, we do the same thing at City Light here in Boise, and then in Nampa we have the Lighthouse Mission for Men and the Valley Women and Children Shelter for Women and Children. We do the same thing at all of our facilities. We, we purchased and keep on hand some really nice, thick, foam, uh, vinyl-clad mats that have a, like a built-in pillow. You can put a sheet and a couple blankets on there and, and sleep people on the floor that way. So truly, we, we never do turn anyone away because we always do have capacity. And uh, so what, let's talk about like the state of homelessness in this area. I mean, what, how would you describe how it is right now? How does it compare to what you've seen? Um, what does it look like? It's really interesting. That's a good question, Mike. And it's really interesting because, you know, people think that when the economy is in a serious downturn, like we had here in the Valley just a few years ago, they think the numbers would go up through the roof and there'd be more homeless people and hungry people. And that's not necessarily what we see. Um, times are pretty good right now. In fact, if you came to the to the rescue mission and did a poll today, you'd find out that uh, probably 35% of all the adults who are staying with us at, at the rescue mission and our different programs are working. And in that case, they're working. They have a case manager at the mission who helps them to manage their budget, uh, money, create a budget, save. Um, but they're still homeless. And, and the, one of the problems we see today is the lack of affordable housing here in the city of Boise and, and even in the city of Nampa and even in the counties. It's hard to find a housing that someone can afford who's making less than uh, $20 an hour. And a single mom with children needs more income than that in order to afford a place of more than one bedroom. So we're seeing about the same number of people today that we were seeing back in 2008 when the economy was in the tank. It's an interesting interesting phenomenon. It doesn't seem to change too much. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and it seems like, um, you know, it's... I've been here, you know, about 15 years um, in the community, and it seems like, uh, and maybe this is I'm either I'm more aware now as maybe I'm older or paying more attention to different things, but it, it seems more visible now um, than it was maybe when I first arrived. Would you would what have you noticed on, on that? Well, I don't I don't know personally that I would say it's any more visible now. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, we had a big homeless camp over over by the skate park, right. where the skate park is, right. and we don't have that today, and that's a good thing um, for the sake of everyone. I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think culturally, again, I think it's more acceptable uh, uh, for people today to stand on the corner with a sign, and they don't feel as much, um, you know, stigma uh, related to that as they might have 10 or 15 years ago. But I think, you know, the numbers of people that I see uh, flying the sign, as we call it, is about the same as it's always been. And frankly, we discourage that amongst mm -hmm. our guests. We ask them not to do that because mm -hmm. they don't need to. You know, we're providing for their needs. And if they cooperate with us and work hard, they can get themselves out of homelessness. Well, let's talk about that. So mm -hmm. what is some of the, the, the avenues that you provide to try to help them out of that that tough time they're in. Well, there's there's a, a couple of very important things to understand about homelessness. And, and number one, uh, homeless people are, are pretty simply said divided into two categories. You've got people who are homeless uh, on a long-term basis, uh, chronically homeless people. And in that case, you have people who probably have need of some uh, drug and alcohol recovery program and probably have need of some uh, mental health care uh, because they probably have uh, 
at least a, a temporary mental illness or a long-term mental illness that they have to deal with in order to recover from homelessness. And then on the other hand, you have a lot of people who uh, have, are homeless episodically uh, because of an episode, because of a traumatic event in their lives. Maybe it was domestic violence, maybe it was a divorce, maybe it was being hit by a car and being in the hospital for three months and getting out and having lost everything you own. And, uh, of course, people that roll into town, and they're rolling in in great numbers right now as our as our population goes through the roof, and they're coming into town thinking, this is it, you know, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, everything's going to be good if I could just get to Boise. And they get to Boise, and things take a little longer to uh, develop, or they don't develop at all, and some of those people will end up at the rescue mission. So... We have programs for each of these kinds of of need. If you have uh, a chemical dependency, alcohol issue, and you you need recovery for that, and you need a free uh, residential recovery program, we can provide that and do. If you have untreated mental illness, uh, or you've been out of treatment for mental illness, we have in-house mental health care programs that we can provide people in-house care and case management and connect them with resources throughout the community who will provide the skilled uh, professional help that they need because we don't do that. Uh, We have a job search program, job preparedness program. We've been in partnership with Idaho Department of Labor for a long time. And uh, they, they come into our house. We have our own uh, staff doing, doing job search, job preparedness. But Idaho uh, Department of Labor comes in and helps us by doing uh, videotaping interviews. Uh, they do mock interviews with people who are going to go out and look for work, mm-hmm. give them tips on how to dress and how to talk and how to act when you go to that job interview. And our own case managers can help them to create good, positive resumes that will get a good look you know, from a prospective employer. Uh, we provide bus tokens and transportation when necessary. Uh, all the things that you need. Clothing, we have clothing forever. If you want to be a construction worker, we'll outfit you. Really? If you want to work at the bank, we can outfit you. I always thought that would be a challenge, you know, if you're in that yeah. cycle and all of a sudden it's hard to now go into an interview to or to a, a job if you been on the streets. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why we do what we do. And, mm. and you know, when people come through the door, they often have the clothes in their back and maybe a backpack and that's it. So we can, uh, we have such a generous community as we talked about off the air that we can provide you with any kind of clothing you need for a, a real successful job interview and tune you up, you know, to get you ready for that. We even have people that do haircuts, okay. you know, so we can get your haircut if you need one and uh, whatever it takes to get somebody to work. And we have great academic programs as well. And those are especially important for the children that we serve. And, and tonight, uh, I can say with certainty, we'll have 50 to 65 children sleeping under our roofs in our four shelters. Wow. And we have great homework club, uh, after-school homework club for those kids. Every time there's a break from school, whether it was Christmas break, which is on right now, we have special programming going on. Uh, so those kids who are staying with us don't have to be farmed out somewhere. We have programs in the house uh, to take care of the kids and mom can carry on with her work or her recovery program or sure. whatever she needs to do. And those same programs are available for adults. We've got three three people going to college. Uh, we have about three people. We have three people going to college right now who have scholarships through the rescue mission, through friends of the mission who wanted to make a gift specifically mm. to help someone with a college education. So we've we've got you know we've got the whole thing surrounded. If you have uh, if you're homeless for any reason, and you want to recover from homelessness, we really think we can help you to do that at the rescue mission. Yeah, and I, I am I am surprised. I mean, I think 
uh, a lot of people maybe who listening and might have thought it was just a, a place to that they can sleep and maybe get some food. Um, but it seems like there's so much, um, so much thought and and purpose on trying to help people out of that cycle. Um, have you? I would imagine for some of these people that takes quite a while to. I mean, if once you're in that kind of uh, ongoing, you know, downhill downhill cycle, you know, and you know, on, if you're homeless, um, and if maybe chronically homeless, I have to imagine it's going to take quite a bit to reverse that. Yeah. Um, we talked about off the air before we got started that um, one of your guys' challenges is that you don't take uh, government funding, um, and because a lot of that has to do with. You know the government shackles that they put on you, as far as you're helping helping these individuals out. Can you explain that um, to our audience? Sure. Well, back to your first point, it does take a long time to overcome homelessness for some people, depending on what their situation is. Uh, Sometimes it can be a physical disability that uh, they need to learn to live with and and. Uh, uh, thrive with, and that can take some time and adjustment. Other times it could be mental illness. Uh, we have people that are seriously and persistently mentally ill who come into our uh, recovery program, and with that, it's going to take them a while just to get your, you, first of all, if they've been self-medicating, you have to get sober, and you have to learn how to live sober with all of the anxiety that comes with that after you're used to being medicated with illegal drug. And at the same time, breaking into the world of uh, of counseling and you know psychiatry, and learning what meds work and what meds don't, and getting the right balance for that, that all takes time uh, to have happen. So that's part of the process. And with that, if we take if we took government funds, just looking at it from that perspective, the government funding for a recovery program always has an enter date and an exit date attached to it. And that doesn't necessarily cooperate with the situation that the person might be in. And we don't ever want to be at a place where someone's not ready to be uh, discharged from the program, if you will, when they're not ready to be discharged. And so we discharge people when they're ready, you know, when they and our staff determines, okay, now I can handle this world out here. I've got a job. I've got an apartment. I've got my first, first and last month's rent in the bank. Now I'm ready to go. Then we can send them out, and they're going to have success, and that's what we see. Um, people that go through the program, uh, recovery program particularly, who leave the rescue mission as a successful graduate of that program, Upwards of 85% of them stay in their own place and stay clean and sober for the long term after that, which is a remarkable statistic, Mike. Yeah. It's, I, I say that to some people, and they, they don't think I'm telling the truth because they can't imagine it could be that successful. But it really is, and we can prove it because those people are still here in the Valley. I've, I've, got, a, a, I've got a guy who's in his, just finished his last semester of pre-med at NNU who came in about five years ago and who's, you know, he's in his last semester of pre-med at NNU, he's going to be a doctor. I've got uh, people in law enforcement. I've got people that own their own business. A lot of people who are working in, uh, in organizations where they have really key positions, you know, very important positions, whether it's in technology or in sales, uh, people that five, 10, seven years ago were right here in, on the street in Boise addicted, to, usually addicted to meth or heroin. 
and today they're living successful lives. And of course, I have to say that we are a gospel mission, and we make no bones about that. You know, mm-hmm. we're a Christian organization, and so we do pray for people, and we believe in the power of prayer, and we encourage people to pray for themselves and, and to embrace our faith. They don't have to. We're going we're gonna to serve you whether you do or not. But we feel very strongly that our faith connection and the power of God in our lives makes a big difference, too. I um, And one thing I'm, I think I learned as I was getting ready to talk with you is that I didn't actually realize um, that you guys have kind of women's and children's facilities and men's. I thought it was all one under one shelter. Um, and so how does that... Uh, has that always been the case? And um, as how do you work with families? Mm-hmm. Good question. And the first thing I'll say is that in our case, uh, working with homeless people, the family that we encounter uh, coming into our shelter is typically a single mom with children. Mm. Now we're seeing a lot more single men with children, and that's creating some new uh, issues for us to address and deal with. Right. Uh, but as far as a family coming in with a you know two 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 adult uh, parents, if you will, and uh, children. We just don't see very many of those. And so from a financial point of view, as we've looked at it over the years, and we continue to look at that, what is the need and uh, how wise would it be for us to uh, create yet another environment where you could have an intact family? We'll we'll continue to uh, evaluate that. But it works really well for us right now, because even if you have a fellow and a lady who are in a relationship and uh, may or may not have children... Staying in two separate facilities is really, really important for the safety of everybody concerned. Uh, As you can imagine, folks on the street have relationships with other folks on the street, and uh, it's not uncommon for, you know, for some of those people to have disagreements with one another. And particularly as it as it uh, concerns any romantic relationships and parental rights and things like that, mm. so keeping those ladies and children under their own roof in very secure facilities that we 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 operate uh, gives them that peace of mind that you know if there's somebody out there who might want to be bothering them, they're not coming in here to bother them. That's that, yeah. and at the same time, it it just lowers that whole level of stress and tension that everybody would feel should we have men and women and children all in the same. In the, under the same roof. Mm-hmm. And then for those who are in relationship during the day, they're welcome to do whatever they want to do, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're providing case management for uh, one or more adults, we expect them to cooperate with the case manager, but that can mean that they get together and usually then they would meet over at the River of Life in Boise or in Nampa, they would meet at the Lighthouse Mission and they would have case management as a couple, as a family, uh, right there at our facility, hmm. and send them on onto their their tasks to, in order to recover from homelessness. How big do you feel like um, the that mental health plays into homelessness? I mean, I think it's a, a, a topic. You know, it's obviously it's a, a big part of it. Um, but I, I don't my. What I th- think I'm learning more recently is that it's a much bigger part than I had realized. Yeah, it, it, it's probably bigger than most people realize. And I, I think mental illness is a larger problem than most people realize. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been the CEO now for a long time, and I'm not as in touch and hands-on with people as I used to be uh, in our facilities and even even agencies in the communities because I have wonderful staff who are filling all of those roles. But the fact is that 
the majority of chronically homeless people that you're going to encounter on the street here in Boise, the majority of those people are going to be dual diagnosed. They're going to be uh, they they're going to have a diagnosed or a diagnosable mental illness, and they're going to be self-medicating with either alcohol or some kind of drug. And that's going to be the majority of chronically homeless people. And it's a, it's a big problem because, as I mentioned earlier, the first thing you have to do is detox from the substance that you're using on your own to medicate. And with that is terrible anxiety and stress for that, for that person because all of the mental health issues, the mental illness issues are going to come right to the fore. And so they need a strong support group. They need a lot of encouragement. They need a lot of care during that process. And at the same time, they need to be plugged into serious professional mental health help so that as they detox from the uh, illegal substance or the alcohol, they can start to uh, get into treatment with the substances, the medicine that's going to really help them to get better. How, how is it, from your perspective, uh, getting that help for them? I mean, is there enough available help? No. Okay. <laughs> no, with okay. a capital N. No, okay. no. Uh, we thank God every day for Terry Riley because Terry Riley Health Services provides most of our care uh, to our people. And uh, we, we really need a lot more help with, uh, with mental illness. Even in the VA side of things, it's a long, slow process to get someone in to see a professional mental health worker. And uh, with that, then getting the follow-up appointments and, and having them in a timely manner is really tough, which is another reason why we see pretty good success at the mission, because in those interim periods, we have case management available and we have 24-7 staffing so that if someone finds themselves in a crisis, we can pick up the phone and call and get help right away in our house. And, and it diffuses a lot of very, very dangerous situations for people. You mentioned uh, the VA, um, and how? What is? Do you have an idea of how many of the homeless population you see is are are vets are you know are uh, people that are for veterans in our community? Statistically, it's supposed to be something in the neighborhood of uh, twenty to thirty percent of the entire homeless population. Wow! The good news is the number is going down. Okay. Uh, veterans, uh, Veterans Administration, along with partners such as the Rescue Mission, not not that we're the big partner, but we are a partner with Boise VA. We do provide uh, transitional living for veterans, which has been a hugely successful program over the ten years we've operated it. Uh, the number is going down nationally and locally uh, of, of uh, veterans on the street. Now, I was really happy to see their, the breaking ground on an apartment over there on State Street for specifically and exclusively uh, for homeless veterans. So 20 to 30 percent is the number. I, I think our, our, our uh, statistics would show that same thing, about 20 percent, 25 percent maybe. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because veterans, and I am one, so I can speak on behalf of us veterans. Veterans are a very unique group of people. Uh, having a veterans program at the rescue mission that is isolated from all of the other uh, occupants of the building. In other words, there's a, on the third floor of our River of Life mission, there's 19 rooms just for veterans. And at the, at the lighthouse in Nampa, we have 12 beds in a large dorm. It was built for 18 beds. We have 12 beds in there just for veterans. Having those veterans in those environments really goes a long way mm. uh, in their recovery from homelessness because there's that camaraderie. You know, we've all been in the military. We all have great stories to tell. You know, some of us are veterans of war. 
Uh, but at, nonetheless, we, we have that camaraderie that we were all once soldiers or sailors, airmen, and Marines. And it builds that uh, spirit of community that I think goes a long way to helping people start to think about life can be better. We see huge success with that program. And the, the vets who graduate, graduate, the vets who complete a process of transition with us, uh, very, very, very few of them ever return to homelessness. Hmm. It's a very, very good thing. And we don't take any government money for that either. And, and we were offered, we, we could easily receive a lot of government money for that. But no, we don't, we don't take government money. And, and even in that case where I think it might be a good thing, uh, you know, for a couple of reasons, we still don't do it because it's uh, too unpredictable, too uncertain. Even today uh, in the climate where everybody loves veterans now, unlike when I came home from Vietnam and no one liked us, right. you know, people love veterans still. The government money comes and goes pretty quickly. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Reverend Bill Roscoe. He's the CEO of the Boise Rescue Mission. Bill, you mentioned uh, a term that I, I was hoping you could explain further. You said transitional living. Mm-hmm. You, you provide that for your veterans and sounds like from your other part of your other homeless population. Can you explain what that means? Sure. Uh, in our case, transitional living is, is uh, a place where you stay while you are transitioning from homelessness back into independent living again. And so we do provide that for veterans, and we also provide that for others who have completed any of the programs of the rescue mission. I mentioned 19 rooms uh, at uh, the River of Life for vets. We also have 19 rooms on that same third floor on the other side of the building for other men who have graduated from the recovery program, men who are in job search, uh, who may or may not yet be working, uh, other men who have uh, uh, maybe they're waiting for Social Security, SSI, SSD, something to kick in, and they're in that transitional time, they can move up to the third floor. And in those cases, it's a single occupant room with its own bathroom, which is very, very nice, very convenient, and uh, showers are in the hallways for everybody to share. Um, in uh, Boise, we have seven apartments for women and women with children over on Jefferson Street, right across the street from City Light. And those apartments are occupied by women in those same kinds of situations, non-veterans necessarily. Um, in Nampa, we have 12 apartments um, in Nampa, and uh, four of those are exclusively for veterans from the Nampa program, but the other uh, eight uh, apartments are for other men in different situations, moving from homelessness uh, back into independent living again. And all these things are provided without a charge. Now, transitional, the transitional housing program for non-veterans does have a fee attached to it because in most cases, uh, those fellows have some income. And so in that case, uh, their case manager and they work out what they think to be a fair rate. And I can tell you that it's a sliding scale from zero to $250 a month. Uh, for that transitional living program. Mm -hmm. And that includes everything you need for life, as we've talked about already, with the meals and clothing, uh, any Mm -hmm. kind of help that you need. And and the next step is hard, too, because you mentioned already that even with uh, a better job market that we're seeing today, we have more expensive housing. And I imagine that is very tough for them to transition out even out of that 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 step up that you give them it is it's really hard it's it's harder now than i've ever seen it here in the valley Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody knows that it's not news to anyone but uh not only is there um 
fewer units available, it seems, but there's more people because of this influx of population. And so in the past, you know, you had uh, three, four or five percent on, uh, available uh, rental units available. And I think today in Ada County, it's like 1.5 percent of all rental units are empty. And so you have a line of people waiting to rent that unit. And if you're one of our folks who's been unemployed for a while, maybe been in, in and out of jail a couple times, and you've got a few things in the past that aren't totally sparkly, mm-hmm. you go to the end of that line yes. and you're not getting in. So, And even with veterans, and veterans have the voucher through HUD and the VA, uh, a good voucher for housing. It's like a Section 8 voucher. And even those uh, folks that are holding the voucher, they expire after so much time if you don't if you don't apply it, if you don't use it. They have to go back and get it renewed because they look and look and look and they just can't get into a place to live. It's a real mm. tough housing market right now. We need We need to see some help there somewhere yeah uh, yeah no it's uh it's uh it's a it's uh, a, a big challenge this valley any i think a challenge for any growing city really has sure. a similar challenge um but um boise is certainly not immune to that this community here um so so bill what are what are some of the activities or the the things that you have going on at the rescue mission you mentioned that you're serving like a thousand meals a day um and there's also some programming sounds like for the the kids that are there you know especially you know when they're not in school um it seems like there's a lot going on over there um can you explain a little bit more about some of your programming you have over there well, uh, first of all, you, you've prompted me to say it takes a lot of help to get this job done. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to mention that anyone interested in volunteering at the rescue mission ought to look at the website, boiserm.org. Uh, and there's a volunteer page there that you can look at and find opportunities. It, it must take a lot of volunteers. It takes a, a huge amount of volunteers. Is um, that one of your biggest challenges? Is this getting enough to serve all these people? You know, it's challenging only in that you have to screen people for the different jobs that they apply to do as a volunteer. Anything to do with the kids and the ladies, we do a complete background check on those long-term volunteers to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the process takes a little while, and it's kind of frustrating sometimes for the, for the applicant mostly. But the fact is that we do, uh, we do have opportunities where you can show up. You can call up today and show up in the next few days and serve a meal at one of our facilities. Yourself, your, your family, your men's group, your church group, your Kiwanis club, whatever. Uh, you can come in and serve meals. You can come in and, and work in the uh, warehouse. We have a huge warehouse here in Boise, uh, 20,000 square feet or so. And there's all kinds of clothing that's donated that has to be sorted and, and hung up and, and ready to ship to one of the facilities. Uh, we have a huge recycling operation with clothing so that we bail about 40,000 pounds of clothing a month. And we need help just getting that pillar loaded and unloaded and, and getting those uh, big, huge bales of, of uh, clothing stored. Uh, we need people who can teach recovery classes, life skills. Uh, we've got a couple of financial planners who come in. Both of them are working pretty much on a quarterly basis, and they come in and they'll take uh, a quarter of the year and they'll teach finances. Some of it's very basic, how to balance your checkbook, how to run a budget for your household. Mm. And they also can do advanced classes and do advanced classes. And where do you invest and how should you invest when you have your money uh, to invest? So we need people from you know the whole spectrum. And I simply say that if you have a gift or a talent or a skill and you want a place to share it, we can probably provide the place to share it at the rescue mission. Mm. So take a look at boiserm.org, volunteer opportunities and... 
You'll find something that you can fit into driving a van, taking people to the VA for health care, taking people to Terry Riley, uh, taking the kids on their summer field trips and outings all summer mm-hmm. long. We have all those kids. We have 60 to 90 kids a day that we're taking care of, and they divide them up by age, and, and some of them are going to the zoo, and some of them are, are going to uh, intern at the rescue mission. You know, we have a, mm. our own internal program for uh, teenagers who can work so many hours a week in various mm. tasks, and uh, they're assigned at all the different facilities, and everything from administration to food service. So there's a lot to do. There is a lot <laughs> to do. Uh, so, Bill, um, my understanding is you've been with the rescue mission for, I think, around 16 years. That's right. Uh, um, how would you describe how it's, you know, it's changed in your tenure there? Well, the, the biggest change, I think, is, is the, uh, the growth, the expansion of, of services uh, to be able to provide specific services for children, for veterans, for elderly. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, having 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 the means through the generous support of this community to have the staff, professional staff, who can care for so many different kinds of uh, people with different kinds of needs, that's the biggest change. Uh, and, and of course, the facility growth. We, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of space under roof right now, and and it's necessary because when when you're serving as many people as we are, you need a lot of space for those people, and you need the professional care for those people. You know, you, you can use volunteers, and skilled volunteers are wonderful, but they're still not staff. And uh, volunteers are a beautiful thing, but if the volunteers um, has has something come up suddenly that they need to deal with, they're gone, they're going to do it. Whereas if you have staff, you usually get some warning about that. You have some time to prepare for that. So we have a full complement of uh, skilled, professional loving, compassionate people who work at the mission every day, preparing all those meals, uh, supervising all the operations and managing, help case managing all the people that we have in the various programs. So that's a big change too. I think we had, when I got here, I think we had 16 or or so staff, excuse me. And most of those were at City Light because that was the uh, real thriving part of our ministry with a lot of programs and children. And today we have about 150 staff and wow. they're spread out in two counties, you know, in four 24-hour-a-day shelters, a warehouse operation. Uh, we have a thrift store in Nampa. Um, so we've got a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that you don't take government funding. Um, so let's talk about your funding. How, how does it work? Cause it seems like you have a massive operation going on. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Have, it, it is massive, and it's amazing to me that we are... Uh, we are successful at what we're doing at the rate where we are seeing success, not just in the outcomes in the lives of people, which is most important, but also success in funding all of, all of the programs and services and paying those salaries and benefits that we do. Uh, I've said before, and I'll say again, this is the most generous community on the face of the earth. And what's happened here in Boise and in Nampa throughout the valley is that we have we have proven to the community that we're honest, that we that we do what we say we're going to do. We're transparent. We have our 990 online that people can look at. We have an external audit every year. Every dollar that comes into the rescue mission is accounted for, and, and we can verify where we're spending your money when you give it to us. Uh, that that goes a long way in, in creating that, that good community spirit. I, I think... 
I really believe that people feel like they're really a part of the Boise Rescue Mission when they become a part of our donor base. Because I call people up and say thank you all the time. And one of my staff spends a lot of time just calling people to say thank you. And it blows our minds because, it, first of all, if you get somebody to answer the phone and not just an answering machine, the first thing they tell you is, oh, don't call me. Don't waste your time calling me. You don't have to call me. I'm going to give. I like what you do. God bless you. Have a nice day. Right. You know, and that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. Well, could I get you to come over? You want to see the mission? You want to take a tour? No, 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 no. Just... I'll send you a check. You take care of the people. Everything's good. <laughs> and I think it's because we have we have good credibility. And and thank God for a, a very very, I think fair and balanced, uh, very effective media community such as yourself, Mike, having me here today to talk to people and and tell about the work and how we do it and invite them to come and talk to me and meet our staff, see our facilities. All you got to do is uh, call up, go on the website. BoiseRM.org, and, and there's a place there you can you can ask to come and have a visit. We'll take you through and show you what we're doing, how we're doing it, meet the people, meet the guests. But when you can have the kind of outcomes, we have over 600 people a year for the last five years who have gone in, come into the rescue mission homeless and gone out of the rescue mission uh, to live in some kind of an independent situation again. Might not be completely independent, might be a couple of roommates renting a place together because that's often necessary. Still. Still. Right. 600 a year for five years, that's remarkable. Yes. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so people see that and they think, huh, must be something to those. They must have a program over there that works. And it's true. And, and we do. The same with veterans and the same with our addiction recovery program. Phenomenal numbers, yeah, and it's because because we're able to take the time and and find the resources that we need, and we have the greatest community of partnerships that I've ever seen anywhere. Other nonprofit agencies like the Idaho Food Bank and, and Karen Vock has just done a tremendous job over there running that organization. The YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, the Sanctuary Shelter, the Boise Veterans Administration is one of the best in the country. I get my health care there. I can tell you they are the, one of the best in the country. Um, we have partnerships with Idaho Department of Corrections. You know, we were the partner of the year, one year for them, because we'll take you right out of prison and put you into one of our programs and help you get on your feet. And so IDOC likes that. You know, that's part of their goal is to see successful transitions. So this community makes it all possible, Mike. That's mm. the truth. Mm. We, we're, we're, we're a pipeline. You know, we're facilitators and, and we're hands-on working with people every day. But this community makes it all happen by the grace of God. It makes it all happen. What are you seeing as you move forward, um, going into the future, looking into the future? Um, um, what new challenges or what holes are you trying to fill right now um, that you're still you're hoping to make some improvements on? There's two or three. Um, one of them is uh, homeless people who are being discharged from the hospital who are uh, being being sent to outpatient care. Uh, who are homeless, <laughs> you know, to the homeless person, outpatient really means out. <laughs> and uh, we're working on developing progr a program for those people right now. And there'll be more to say about that in the next couple of months. Uh, but that's a, that's a huge need. If you can imagine going into the hospital with a major surgery or a major illness or having a baby and then being discharged and maybe you're, in our case, a baby's sick and you've nowhere to go, um, and that baby can come to the shelter and that's better than going to the street or the van 
the car. But uh, there's a lot of coughing and hacking going on in that dorm and noise. And if you have a sick baby, they don't need that environment. They need a better environment than that. Mm. So that's one issue. Mental illness, uh, helping mentally ill people is another issue. We can do better. Uh, we could do better. Uh, we're looking at how do, how, how, do, how do we pull that off. And elder care is becoming a huge issue. You'd be amazed if you walked through the rescue mission tonight at dinner time and looked at the population at how many of those people are 65 and older and sometimes a lot older and they're they're homeless men and women. Wow. It's a it's a real heartbreaker. So there's there's three areas that we're take we're always aware and, and taking looks at and wondering how can we do better. Uh, but with the with the uh, discharges from the hospital, we'll have some news on that in the next couple of months. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that, those are uh, um, sounds like big challenges. Um, but uh, I, it sounds like you're definitely making some strides there as well. I didn't realize how. Um, how much older? I mean, I can't imagine being that that uh, that that time in your life and, and still dealing with this homelessness stuff. That's uh, that's that's really heartbreaking. It really is, and it and some of it goes back to the housing issue that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, we've got people staying in the shelter right now who had a place to live and had been living there and paying their rent. And suddenly the rent has gone up $200 a month, for example, and they have 30 days to either pay 200 more or move, and they can't pay 200 more, and the, and moving is really tough too. So they put everything in storage and they check in with us, and mm. hopefully they can you know save some money and find another place that's not going to be that expensive. And for seniors, it's a tougher road to hoe because their income is fixed and limited in most cases. In our case, with the people we deal with, it's always fixed and it's mm. always limited. So finding finding housing for those folks is a real challenge. I've been speaking with uh, Reverend Bill Roscoe. He's the CEO of Boise Rescue Mission. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for coming in. Do you have any final words that you want to say um, before we run out of time here? Well, I just want to say thanks again to you, Mike, for having me on and giving me the, this opportunity. And I want to remind your listeners, they can go to boiserm.org, our website, and find more information, uh, contact information. If you'd like to meet and speak with me, you can do that through the website. And uh, thanks again for all of you out there who are part of the most generous community on the face of the earth. And it's a great privilege for me to serve here. Well, that's great. Bill, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, thanks for telling us and uh, helping us learn more about the Boise Rescue Mission. I will be posting uh, mo more details and links uh, that Bill mentioned here today on, on our website, idahospeakeasy.com, and also this uh, a recording of this interview if you missed part of it. Um, and as Bill said, uh, boiserm.org is where you can go to find out more information about the Boise Rescue Mission. It is quite a large organization in our community and doing a lot of great work. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor for me just to have this conversation with you and learn about this. And I'm glad we're able to share this conversation um, with our listeners. Mm -hmm.